if you remember um, Warren Fina used to play for them up front, he had a uh, chant that was, um, we love our itsy bitsy teeny weeny baldy headed Warren Fina. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> there's, there's also, Who there's, said Northern Irish fans are humorless? That's fucking gold. <laughs> it's the baldy headed that got me, but. Um... <laughs> I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. Take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the Football Spins. Football Spin on a Monday morning. Uh, Paddy McKenna here, Noradine Chowdhury and Siloid are all present. And guys, we've got a busy show coming up. We do have to reflect on another very... It just feels like these weekends are just so packed with incidents. The Premier League is fucking crazy and it's... I, I love the fact that it, it has come back with that sense of insanity. So we'll talk a little bit about Spurs. Um, we're going to talk about Jordan Pickford, Virgil van Dijk. But just very quickly, boys, just quick glance at the top of the Premier League. If you haven't got it open, and if you're listening now, I'll give you a chance just to get it open because it is worth having a quick look at the top of the Premier League. And there it is, in all its glory. And if you have a nagging feeling right now that you feel maybe you'd like to buy an affordable used car with guaranteed home delivery in the UK or Ireland and don't know exactly <laughs> why that is, well, Everton and Villa, together, under the Kazoo banner. It's a beautiful thing. Kazoo Ultras. Kazoo Ultras, yes. <laughs> Kazoo didn't really expect this. I don't think they could have expected that they no. would... Come into the Premier League and sponsor teams one and two. Who, who would have thought that the first Kazoo derby of the Premier League era would be basically a title decider? <laughs> I suppose. I suppose they've done. Didn't um, in Scotland? Didn't wasn't there a sponsor that did both Celtic and Rangers? Is it Carling? Yeah. Yeah, I think Carling did it. Yeah, I think so. But but kazoo couldn't ever yeah. kazoo couldn't ever have heard. I mean, what is a is a kazoo an instrument as well? I thought it was an animal. Yeah. No, it's an instrument. But th- that's of, when you spell the word. Sorry, you're thinking of a zoo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be it. <laughs> um, Good highbrow start to this show, isn't it, lads? That is. Because <laughs> I was going to introduce wazoo, which is a different thing again, just to keep it at the at that level. Um. But there you go. Well, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Um, there's, so look at first. But, there's also the Italian cazzo, which is a penis. That's there right. You go. Yeah. Just in case, just in case we we couldn't go any lower, we we, we always can. Uh, okay. All right. There you go. So um, yeah, it's been a it's been a a very unexpected start to the Premier League and. Uh, Merseyside Derby was a game that we were all looking forward to and built up to. God, we built up to it two weeks ago. That's how that's how much anticipation the football's been had for the Merseyside Derby. It was a mad game of football. Uh, Jordan Pickford is definitely the man that people are talking about this morning. So very quick recap on Jordan Pickford's game. Um, it was a very Jordan Pickford-esque type of a game where he 
very badly tackled, uh, Virgil van Dijk. We'll talk about how people have been describing that tackle. Definitely should have been a red card. There's no question. Nobody's saying anything different. Um, they went on to produce like saves that probably only Jordan Pickford can do, like the Columbia uh, famous save, an amazing save from Joel Matip in the second half, generally having an all-around stormer. And then the same player, who should not have been on the field, then throws one into his net at the end. And then VAR with that crazy decision to disallow, nobody can figure it out, to disallow that goal um, when he shouldn't be on the field. Uh, Naz, your thoughts on uh, England's number one today? I mean, there's there's no way you can get around that tackle. It was like, it was ridiculous. It was awful. And like, I was I was having a... I was having a sort of debate about this, about like which tackle was worse. Was it uh, was it the one on Thiago or was it, was it the one on Van Dijk? And the thing with the one on Thiago is is like it looked more sort of um, uh, intentional, uh, and 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 therefore in that respect that that's worse. But I think I think Pickford's is probably worse just because it's reckless. Like this is this is the thing with 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 uh, Pickford is is that like he's and again like people have harked back to him doing something similar on um, Deli Ali a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and it's very similar and it's and it's a total disregard for the player that's there for the for the for the forward that he's challenging, and in a way being reckless is almost worse than being intentional because because like it's it's. Anything can happen. Like, like if you're going for a, for a professional foul, like, you, like, like you might go for a, you might go for like a, I don't know, studs, studs in the shins or whatever, or you might even go for like something worse. But the thing with a reckless challenge is that can literally ruin somebody's career, and not only ruin somebody's career, but like, um, is it David Boost who? Um, um, it went, yeah, that, that, Coventry that, player. Yeah, and, and that was that was extremely accidental. And that was a freak sort of injury. Um, and Dennis Irwin definitely he was. I don't think he was either reckless nor uh, intentional. That was just like a freak sort of accident. But that showed that 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 a, that uh, an injury on the football pitch can even affect whether how like whether people can still like walk and just function. So I think that's why it was a. Uh, that's why it was so sort of like uh, devastating and sort of controversial. However, um, like like pe- people now are saying like, why is there no punishment being taken? Like, why is there no retrospective punishment? Like, those are, you know the rules. Like nothing, like in terms of sort of like retrospective punishment, nothing's changed. Like, you know that, that you can't just because you feel angry about it or, or you feel annoyed about it. They can't suddenly sort of change the rules and say, okay, because everyone is so outraged by this really high-profile challenge and this player is out for for however long, we need to give him a special punishment. Like, that's not how it works. So that kind of reaction, although understandable because people are sort of annoyed and pissed off and they're thinking subjectively, like, what, what, what are people expecting to happen? Like, Pickford got essentially got away with it. And really, that's that. You can't expect the rules to change just because there's, everyone is so sort of outraged by it. Isn't part of this, though, is that the it, he wasn't punished? Like, it's crazy to think that that foul took place 
and there was a VAR review that happened, obviously, for the offside, but that they couldn't let that tape roll and go, actually, this man has just scissor-kicked another player in the knee, and we're not going to do it. And no, we're not even going to give him a yellow card. It just it wasn't. And apparently, VAR did look at that challenge and just decided not to take any action. It's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, that aspect of it is just ridiculous because you don't even need VAR. Like, the only way you could judge that challenge to be okay is if you took your eye off the game for a bit. Because anyone, like if you're in the stands, if you're watching on TV, if you're players around it, if you're the referee, how anyone can see that challenge and think, yeah, that's that's okay. And it's this whole thing of like, did did the offside happen first or not? Like, like I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that is relevant because, I mean, a lot of people made jokes on on the internet about it sort of since but like what does that mean does that mean if if like somebody had been punched or or somebody had got an elbow in the face that would have been okay because it was just after an offside uh call it, it was that 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 was the what, what that was the ridiculous aspect of it because there's no way there's no way you can't sort of uh there's no way you can think that's okay and and, it, and again part of the reason why it was so reckless is is the velocity at which he hit Van Dyke, it, it, that's the reason why it looks so ugly. And that's why it's sort of, and again, like quite often, especially in the social media age, people will take a, a still. If there's a, if there's a bad challenge or, or, or anything like that, there's a still always looks worse because you, because, you, because you don't see the context of the challenge. But this is one of those rare occasions that if you watch it in a video sort of form, it's it actually looked worse than a still because you see the, the sort of force at which um, Pickford comes from nowhere and smashes into this 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 man's bone. And and the pain that he has, you see it very quickly. Like he's he sees it coming. He's actually saying no before Jordan Pickford makes impact because he can see how high he's coming in, uh, the speed and the velocity and exactly where he's going to hit him. So he's actually, he's wincing or he's bracing himself for an impact that he can do nothing about. And then obviously the pain that he has and he rejects, you know, understandably Van Dyke when, when Pickford tries to like, you know, give him the arm that pulls him off the ground. He's like, no, like just get him away from him. Um, Like, is this going to be a, like, would, is it a multi-game ban for Jordan Pickford here? Because it, presumably it'll have to be looked at again. So. I don't know. I think from from what Jamie Carragher was saying last night, I, I'm not entirely sure there will be any retrospective action against against Pickford for it. But I think what Noz has just said there pretty much covers everything. But but to me, I don't know if it's because VAR is there and and, and maybe referees and, and linesmen feel they can just rely on that now. But to me, with no crowd being there, even if you don't see the incident, the kind of noise that kind of collision must have made, given the speed at which Pickford hit Van Dyke. I can't understand for one second why Michael Oliver didn't at least think, well, why aren't we checking this on VAR a bit more thoroughly than they did? Did you say before that they did check it on VAR? Because my, my understanding was that they didn't even look at it. They, they just went straight to the offside and, and that was all they actually yeah. looked at. Yeah, so I, I can't remember what I've seen it, over somebody tweeted over the weekend that VAR did have a look at it. So there you go. Yeah, I, I just find the whole incident incredible. And, and as I say, I don't know if because they've got this this facility now, I don't know if that's just... Maybe just letting officials take their eye off the actual game a little bit more because they know they've got that safety net where they maybe can look at things later on. I don't know, but to me, I think the whole thing was ludicrous, and I don't know what can be done in terms of retrospective ban now. Because well, well, well Liverpool have asked 
them to review the whole thing, obviously, and yeah. to review the VAR decisions from the derby. So, and I suppose, given that Pickford wasn't even booked for it, there is a window to have a look at that. Um, mm. There's no doubt about it. He should have he should have been sent off. It was it was. I don't think there was any intent, as some people on Twitter seem to think. But to me, you cannot throw your your, your entire body at a player like that, and obviously that that's a, a bad example of what can happen when you do. Well, I suppose also there's that thing whereby the fact that no action was taken against Jordan Pickford, it does mm. open the floodgates That's right. for him to be tried by Twitter. Um, and also ex-pros and people that should know better. Like I saw Curtis Davies, the former Aston Villa centre half, talking about it being an, an assault. Um, and I actually, I think Graham Sooner said it was an assault as well. And again, that that implies malice that there was premeditation and that he set out to hurt um he set out to hurt van dyke and i think we all know from jordan pickford i think jamie carragher actually put it really well last night when he described how like essentially this kind of tackle nobody's condoning it nobody likes to see it happen but it does happen and he described how he had his leg broken that he nearly broke nanny's leg and that in any game of football these things do happen but that it it's Jordan Pickford, you know, and again, Naz, I know you're saying what you're saying there is that he is reckless, and that that, but that can't be, that doesn't get him off the hook. Like he's reckless, and he has caused this injury to Van Dyke, but there does seem to be a level of hysteria around what should happen, like what should happen to Jordan Pickford now, which I, you know, when you when you look at some of the comments, like, well, hang on a second, <laughs> like, well, this is this shouldn't happen. It doesn't look good, but. It's something that happens in games of football. I think I think two things can be true because you t- you talk about like the reaction on social media and like uh, hysteria or whatever. Now we all know, like the the elephant in the room here is is sort of we know that it's a it's a very sort of uh, you 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 you, uh, you piss off Liverpool fans on the internet at your at your risk. Do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of like if there's one fan base you don't, do not want against you, it's Liverpool fans. Like, say the wrong word and you end up with like a skit being delivered to your house, uh, weeks upon weeks of sort of like soft drinks and pizza being sort of delivered around yours, and like like it's just like they. What have you said to Liverpool fans to get this? <laughs> <laughs> Free fans... pizza. Yeah, <laughs> Free pizza. Doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> But, but but if it, like like there's uh, Liverpool fans, uh, particularly on Twitter, have made an art form out of. Um, first of all, there's the element that are sort of um, amateur Poirots that sort of if 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 a player's if a player's looking like they're going to sign, like they're all on the sort of uh, flight tracker and everything, and the, and there's also that that sort of side, and 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 again like. A lot of the time, sort of, you you've got to compliment it because it's quite often they'll they'll go after somebody who's particularly right wing or or some sort of fascist dickhead on on, on Twitter and they and they 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 find out who that person is and 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 they do take sort of um, direct action and 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 that's great. But the other side of that is obviously um, if anything happens that they're unhappy with. It is inevitably going to be bigger news, and there's going to be a more of a brouhaha than if it was, I don't know, um, Coventry that it happened to, or Derby if it, that it happened to, or or whoever Southampton or whatever. So there's always that element that it's it's bigger because 
it involves Liverpool and it involves Liverpool fans. But when I say two things can be true at the same time, like although the outrage and the anger is is is, is extremely overblown, like Pickford has still got a problem. Like he is he is reckless and and it's in, and he's reckless in a way that um, City's keeper has shown himself to be reckless as well uh, on occasions where it's just like it's it's absolutely bashing through the forward. And it, and and it, and it's dangerous, and and it, and and it needs to be curbed. And with Pickford, people sort of joke about him, and obviously the, the, there's the big meme about the the sort of uh, ball that was going to go out of play over the over the sort of crossbar, and he kept it in, and Liverpool scored in that game, in that particular game. But again, like it, it's almost part of the same thing where he seems to, and I, and I said this on social media the other day, he, instead of doing the simple things well. He seems obsessed with doing things that he he wouldn't normally be expected to do, just because he he somehow needs to force himself onto the game or or force himself in, onto proceedings or or sort of um, pull something out of the hat and 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 get headline or get or, or, or get praise that way rather than just being quietly consistent and solid and 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 sort of um, gaining a positive reputation that way. So like this this. Proactivity boarding, bordering on sort of uh, uh, becoming a hazard to himself and other people. Like it, it, it feels like it's part of him as a player. I like the way you refer to um, the ball hitting the crossbar in that particular game. Like that wasn't the most painful thing that has ever happened in a game of football, Nas. When um, Jordan Pickford allowed the ball to roll across the roll across the crossbar and Divock Origi to score an injury time winner in a Merseyside derby that at Anfield that Everton had like pretty much dominated in that game, which has been memed. Our former colleague, uh, Christian, who is uh, the inventor, the godfather of the head swap video. Um, but it isn't a head swap video. It's just him with the American beauty, Kevin Spacey's monologue over the top of that video in like super slow motion and high def. It's so painful to watch. Yeah. But that, uh, so that caused, that, mental, that caused mental anguish rather than physical sort of pain there you go which is much worse now <laughs> as we all know yeah. just before we leave this game aside there, uh, the final thing is because two terrible tackles happen in the same game and the Richarlison one is probably worse I think because it's so late and so high on Thiago it's it's really really ugly tackle but there is a certain implication that Carlo Ancelotti has mm, teed up Everton to be thuggish I've seen that. I've seen that allegation leveled at Everton, um, Tuggish Everton. What do you reckon? Do you think that's something? I mean, I, I, I think it's a lot after that game to to say that. That's a bit of a reach, I think. I think as well, if you if you're saying that is something that Ancelotti's brought into his side, I don't think there's anything from his managerial history that suggests he set out teams to play that way. I don't. I certainly don't remember his Milan sides or Real Madrid playing that way at all. Um, no, I just think it was it was literally just two very very bad challenges, uh, and you can look at those in isolation and not think there's anything more sinister at work there. Yeah, see, it's two it's two individual players rather than sort of it being a team sort of a strategy. It's it's sort of like Pickford's got got um, previous for it for being reckless, and and also um, Rick Allison, like he's he's a bit naughty, like like he loves he loves to sort of um, get get stuck in, and uh, he's got that. Uh, Nefarious side to his to his game, um, but 
can I just can I just add to this before we sort of move on? Like, I'm a little bit. I think there's a se- there's a section of Liverpool fans that are understandably gutted, um, and sort of dismayed at the news that um, Van Dijk is going to be out for what looks like the season, and and the, and, and obviously that's it, it's fresh. It only happened yesterday that the news came out, so they, they've got every right to be upset about that, and that's fine. But then you've got another sort of group of Liverpool fans that are so whiny about about like how will they possibly cope now and like the season is they essentially their title defense is over because because Van Dijk's out for the season it's sort of like no like like get over yourselves if anyone before this injury before this weekend if anyone was to claim to them that Liverpool are a one man team they'd be they'd be up in arms they'd be pissed off they'd be like how can you say that we we're not we've got all these great players we've got this great manager and now because one because one player is out as, as as amazing as he is, as as much as he's a world class player, they have got options behind him, and and everyone else is is fallible in their defence. Everyone else, like underneath Van um, underneath Van Dyke, who's who's a tremendous world class talent, there's, there's there's a sort of a level where everyone is kind of at a, a, a similar level. So to say that Liverpool's season is over in terms of defending the title, like it's 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 so overblown and ridiculous, and and fans that are sort of acting as if well that, that that's the that's the title challenge over, like they need just need to get a grip. Yeah, absolutely, and um, good players there, and obviously the January transfer window, maybe a cheeky bid to re-sign Dian Lovren. You know, yes. that's that's an, that's always an option there. Make Liverpool man great knows again. The club. He knows the club knows. He knows yeah. how Klopp likes to play. Um, he, he himself thinks he's world his class. His presence has been missed. He, why not? <laughs> so there's an option there, potentially. He'd probably he'd relish the opportunity to come back in and put right the wrongs. Um, so why not? Dan Lover and back to Liverpool. Even on a loan, like a, a four or five month loan. Um, that could be an option. Uh, flying at uh, Zenit St. Petersburg, apparently. Uh, just checked on Wikipedia, so he's, that, that's enough for me, Naz. And, and sorry. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. So, okay, let's say Jose Mourinho's had a tough weekend as well. And it's definitely coming at a time when it felt like a lot of things were coming. It was coming up Millhouse for Spurs. And definitely after 10 minutes of that game, 3-0, flying against West Ham. And then it all goes beat on. Uh, Sai, your thoughts on uh, Jose's uh, traumatic afternoon yesterday? Uh, it was a bit like Mourinho, Mourinho's time at a club in microcosm, really, in that you know you kind of saw this bright start and things went really, really well. You had a glimpse of the new expensive signing in Bay or the new big name signing, and then it quickly unraveled and went to absolute shit towards the end um, in quite spectacular fashion. Uh, just, just the way Mourinho's time tends to play out at clubs these days. Um, it's a bit of a strange one, really. I think looking at, at Mourinho's appointment and the fact that they replaced Pochettino, it, it seemed like when he came in, there was this acceptance that as good as Pochettino Spurs had been when he was there, they'd never reach that level again uh, at Spurs or they had to find a different way. And, and Spurs are very different now. Uh, you look at the way they play. Um they, they certainly don't press as highly and as intensely as they did under Pochettino. And they're a very different team. But 
that first half, I, I was really impressed, as I was with them at Old Trafford. Although as much as that was through United's capitulation, I, I thought they were very good then too. Um, but I look at I look at this first side now, and I think, hang on a minute, Mourinho. Despite me knocking him quite a bit recently and doubting whether he would actually be a success at Spurs, he does seem to have built quite an effective side. They they look very very good and. All that talk that was lingering around half-time about them being potential title contenders that had evaporated by full-time, I thought was warranted. I thought they looked really, really good. But um, I don't know. I just I just think that the way it fell apart, it shows there's a little bit of a vulnerability defensively there. Um, and I have my reservations about how long Mourinho will be able to keep it together at Spurs. I don't see them. I think they'll, they'll do okay this season. But beyond that, I don't think they'll do much more in terms of keeping Mourinho in charge for a long period of time. It's what, 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 when you look at this season, what it feels like already is that this is going, there isn't going to be a clear runaway leader, that this is going to just change hands a lot of times. Like, cause if you look at the table there, okay, we've already talked, talked about the, uh, the Kazoo Ultras, but then Liverpool are in third and Leicester are there and thereabouts. And obviously they didn't have a good result yesterday. Arsenal are there. Spurs are there. Chelsea are there. City are in 10th. I know, look, we're only four games into the season. But there's a lot, United are in 14th. Like, there's a lot of teams that are going to, going to bounce around the league, which is going to make it, it's going to make for an absolutely brilliant season. So there is a lot of competition there. Mourinho always has, well, rightly lately, claim to be one of the best managers in the league. He's got most trophies, uh, most Premier League trophies. So are Spurs going to be a force, Naz? That's the question. I mean, really, they should be because because they've got so many um, so many sort of separate uh, facets to their, to their team and their play that suggests that they should be. Um, obviously, like Bale didn't have the best uh, debut because the team lost, but um, he had that great chance where he could have he could have ended the game essentially, um, and he was slightly unlucky because like he 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 should have scored, but the way he made the chance for himself. It points to him having a really sort of uh, meaningful impact on the team. But um, one of the things that I thought was a bit of a pity about the result, um, obviously, which was fantastic as a, as a neutral, but um, no one's really, or not enough people are talking about Harry Kane's performance. Um, and he was so good, especially in the first half. Um, and again, like, as a bit of a mere culpa, like, I've uh, I've previously sort of joked that uh he's he's a bit of a selfish player and and i think i think to some extent that's that's a a valid argument just because all great strikers have got a selfish streak in them and 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 you expect that and you want that in a in, in a top class striker but i've i didn't realize how good a footballer he is if that makes sense i always knew he was a good footballer on the ball and would make chances for himself and finish chances himself as well but I didn't. I didn't see this this sort of playmaker playmaker side to him uh, before, and uh, like he's so good. That it's the vision, but also the the technique to carry out what you want to do. Essentially, um, do you think so knows many... that Mourinho has brought this out of him? Um, I don't. Well, maybe maybe it's just the case that he's he's sort of identified a part of uh, Kane's game that he's not utilised before just because I mean like I said like I, I've not seen it before and, and again like so, sometimes it's you've really got to defer to the fans of a particular team because 
anytime uh, most of us see see a game as a neutral or, or a rival, it tends to be when it's on live TV or when you or when you catch the highlights, and it's not you don't see things that 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 committed fans of that football club see because you're not watching every single game and and especially like in the days when we could go to games you don't watch that team week in week out um in 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 real life and and you see so much more when you go to a football game and um there were a few people there were a few spurs fans that were saying like he's so much more than what he's shown to be and what he's depicted as and and, the, and he is actually a great all-round footballer who's who's got like an eye for a pass and the technique to pull it off and uh I think we're seeing more that more as neutrals just because like it's it's getting to a point where it's impossible to ignore now. Like he like he's again, we go back to talking about how um certain people in, in the media like um Chris Sutton, um, like others, were suggesting that England haven't got a playmaker and, and aren't a creative team and therefore have to play defensive, uh attritional football. And and even just with Harry Kane, even if you ignore Grealish but even even with Harry Kane, you see that that's not true. Like he he could easily with the with the abundance of talent that England have got in terms of strikers, he could easily drop back and become that playmaker that England need. He's he, like he's already shown he's he's that good. Um, chaps, just before we 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 get to Villa, I just want to mention on United. Um, the game obviously was. Uh, part of the old Ole bounce back he's once he hits the rock bottom he comes straight back I'm going to predict a six game winning streak now for United and then we'll have we start the cycle all over again with a, a January slump but um, what was the crack with the pay-per-view because I had um, on Sunday on Saturday evening uh, I'm, my mates were on they're all United fans and they were all hyping up to the game and I just said and are you going to pay PPV and they were like no no I've already got the Sky package <laughs> He was like, you haven't been following this story closely enough because it's it's extra. It's 15 on top. I think a lot of fans who would have been aware of that, that story didn't actually, like, I don't think they fully took it in. And I, I wonder, was there anything on Saturday night? Because that was the first test of, like, the whole willingness of fans to actually pay the cash. Um, what was it like? And what, like, well, did you pay it yourselves? And what amongst your own, amongst United fans, was there a willingness there to grudgingly hand over cash? I, I didn't pay it. Um, obviously, I, I didn't watch it on an illegal stream either because no, I wouldn't do that. Um, absolutely would not do that. It, it's a bit weird, but I, I certainly didn't see anybody um, saying that they'd relented or anything. I think pretty much everyone I know had, had kind of stuck to it and hadn't bothered going with the, the uh, pay per view. Uh, money. I think the point is as well. Like a lot of people do actually understand that you know, given that, given that the fans aren't allowed in grounds now and clubs' revenue streams are, are obviously massively down, there there is probably a valid reason to have pay per view now. But I think the point that a lot of people have taken issue with is that it was fifteen quid. Like fifteen quid for a single game is absolutely ludicrous in, in terms of what it is. I mean, given that you'd probably pay just over double that to to get one of the tickets at. at, at the ground to watch it will be allowed. I think that kind of like says it all on top of your your TV subscription that already like, if you want, for example, BT and Sky, you're probably paying somewhere like 90 quid plus a month just to get the subscription to be able to watch those. So 
this to be on top of that, I just thought was was pretty incredible. And I think a lot of people kind of stood firm on the decision not to not to cave in to pay fifteen quid for it. Yeah, but the, obviously the clubs in the Premier League are going to stand firm too because I think there was a lot of people when that story broke on Thursday or Friday of that a couple of weekends ago, just before the international break, um, saying, well, this won't last the weekend. This isn't going to fly, but it's flying. It's happening. Like, And, you know, fans are going to pay that money. Like, even with the legal streams, which you didn't watch, Saif. Um, Definitely not. Because you, you wouldn't do anything like that. Like, uh, they're paying in the arse a lot of the time. Like, you know, again, not from, from my own, from, I've heard hearsay that they can, it can fall out. It's not the same experience. It's not as good a quality. You don't get the analysis, obviously, which a lot of people enjoy on Sky um, with really good analysts like Carragher and Neville and so on. Actually, I saw Neville, I saw Neville was tweeting, he was tweeting uh, screenshots from Sky Sports News. Uh, where he was kind of slagging Cara off, and clearly he wanted to put out there like, oh, "I'm not, I'm not going to pay that," because he's been one of the main opponents to to the to the to the charge. Now, so what's your what's your kind of view on on fans paying that money and and United fans paying it on Saturday night? I mean, my my my, my view is that 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 the Premier League and anyone looking to make extra money out of this can absolutely get fucked. Like like it's so. It's so cheeky and disgusting, and like in in this day and age where where football clubs are defending their lack of spending because of the pandemic, and at the same time, they the fans, a lot of whom are losing their jobs, a lot of whom are being made redundant, are expected to fork out extra money on top of what they're already paying. To keep their season tickets, to that are, they're already paying to these these uh, television companies to to watch games on on more than one channel on BT Sport and Sky, to then expect football fans to fork out extra and not just not just like two or three pounds, fifteen quid to watch one game. It's abhorrent. It's disgusting. And again, um, football fans get get a raw deal off a lot of people and it's usually people who've got nothing to do with football and don't understand fan culture and have got a really sort of like archaic like Thatcherite idea of what what, what football fans are like um they get a raw deal but again I was really heartened by the by the reaction of football fans firstly um what I saw was a load of football fans saying fuck that we are not going to encourage this we're not going to be part of this, and and you and that is that was so commendable, and um, to the extent that like people who did admit to watching it were essentially treated like scabs um, for for sort of crossing the picket line, um, which which again like, like like you talk about Gary Neville and uh, him making clear that he was watching it on uh, on uh, Sky News updates. Um, it was a. I think that I think that followed Carragher, Jamie Carragher, taking the piss out of Neville and sort of say and like when Neville, um, sort of, when Neville said penalty before anyone else knew it was a penalty because everyone was watching it on a delay on the, on on streams apart from apart from Cy Lloyd, <laughs> and, 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 and 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 like Carragher immediately um, replied to to Neville saying, "Oh, I thought you were against these pay for few games. Why why are you watching it?" 
and then and then he sort of like uh, countered and said he he wasn't watching the the game on pay per view. But again, you, um, so football fans sort of um, seem to have like uh, a common sort of voice on that. And again, around United, around Manchester United versus Newcastle United, one really heartening aspect was um, the fact that uh, both uh, fans of both clubs. Um, decided that instead of giving money to pay-per-view, they were going to give money to local food banks. And um, Newcastle, Newcastle especially, their their Newcastle United fans food bank sort of um, organisation, they managed to raise 16,000 for local food banks. And that's astonishing. That's astonishing when, again, you consider that the people that are donating that 16,000, some of them will be from some of the most deprived areas of the country some of them will be made will, will have been made redundant some of them will be affected by the downturn in, in 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 the economy due to the pandemic and yet they are they are willing to help out those less fortunate than themselves and having to miss out on on watching their beloved club and and, and watch the the one thing that can give them uh joy each week so so that was great and and and, and united fans manchester united fans also did that in conjunction with um i think manchester united and uh, manchester city food bank sort of like have been working together recently and that's been great so that was really heartening to see but just generally like it's disgusting like this horrible it almost reflects the government in 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 that the government are don't seem interested in solving the the pandemic crisis or, or trying to um, get a proper track, trace and isolate uh, app in in sort of operation. All they're looking at this whole situation as is how how can they individually get rich and how can they get their mates rich with these dodgy deals and these dodgy contracts that they're giving um, without putting out to tender and stuff like that. So and it, and it seems as if football's doing that as well. Football's thinking, okay, like well, this is like a really unprecedented moment in in history and. There's a pandemic and this, these are unusual times. So let's try and let's try and uh, make a little bit of a profit out of this, and let's try and squeeze the football fans even further. And it's it's mm. fucking grotesque. I think as well, like as much as there is very obvious dissenting voices towards pay per view, etc. Now you've only got to look back as far as 1992 and realize that history shows that ultimately, um, as much as people are against the idea, if if pay per view continues. People will, football fans will ultimately pay it. You know, Sky Sky Sports in itself and the coverage that we all take as normal now, that came to be because somebody decided to actually create the Premier League so that we could charge football fans for something they got as free beforehand. So, you know, as much as we're all against it, I, I think the sad fact is ultimately enough people that probably aren't making a big noise on Twitter and, and social media will probably quietly be paying enough money to make this viable for the Premier League and they probably know that which is the sad fact. And 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 that's that's completely true but but I do think this mm. this first weekend will be telling because interestingly John Sinner John Sinner of CNN um asked Sky uh, how many people paid for pay-per-view this weekend and the response was um we we won't be sharing the pay-per-view numbers as they are commercially sensitive and you just hope that it's it's yeah. totally fallen on its arse and people have been streaming um, instead of watching, and, and and that will hopefully continue because, although I completely agree that sort of if there's enough people who will do it, it'll it'll thrive. By the same token, if at the very outset enough people don't do it, then it could very well die on its ass, and hopefully it doesn't. Again, 
we talk about the we talk about fan culture in terms of football games and going to football games, and obviously that is the prime that should be, that should be the prime focus when you talk about football fan culture. But the very the very modern form of football fan culture is also social media, and and as much as we complain and moan about social media and all of its uh, poisonous elements and and sort of dangerous elements, one of one of the strangely sort of affecting and good parts of uh, social media is whenever there's a big game, whether it involves your team or not, it almost becomes this communal thing where everyone is tweeting, everyone is talking about this same game and um, everyone is sort of like, uh, there is this communal thing in this, in this really sort of, we are separated physically because of the pandemic, but when there's a big game or when there's a, when there's a major sort of uh, thing on TV, people do still come together, but th- but now it's on social media rather than watching it on on TV in the old days. And what you might start to see is is if I don't know if Spurs are playing Everton, and whereas usually everyone will be talking about it, there'll be a massive sort of like collective of people um, discussing this game, regardless of who they support. You could you could very easily have a situation where where only Everton and Spurs fans are talking about it because they've they've they're the only one who's who only ones who are prepared to pay to watch it on a pay per view, and even then it'll be just a section of them. And suddenly this collective um, viewing public that came together and sort of discussed things and had a laugh and had arguments and had banter around it on social media that had begun. And and again that would be another pitter. But it's that it's that fan base that are already paying. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. We're paying, when people are paying for Sky Sports or they're paying for BT subscription, you make your choice. You say, right, I'll probably go to Sky Sports subscription. I think I can afford that. Or I'll stick a BT on top. Maybe somebody's doing an offer or whatever. But then, then this extra charge that comes in, I think there's a, there's a kind of an understanding now. You've got all these marketeers and people that can analyze um, spending habits and things have begun to settle down into a more of a rhythm this kind of the new normal rhythm and you understand that people there's a li- there are there are less things that people can spend money on yes yeah, for example people can't spend money on going to see a game of football or they can't spend money on um, a big saturday night out and they can't spend money on going to a festival or going to a gig so these are all discretionary spends and people that work in the entertainment they can't spend money on the cinema so there's maybe an understanding now there's money there to be had because people have a few extra quid in their pocket that they may have spent on discretionary things. So they've got money for discretionary things. And there's, I think it's opportunistic where it's like, I agree with you, Sai. I think there is that silent cohort. I'm Naz, I'm a fearful of this that are going to spend that money and they, and they want to spend it on these things because they want to have that communion. They want to be able to share the experience. Sure, we don't have the we don't have shared experience. This is one of the few ways that we can share that share experience. And here's someone that I think is coming in and cynically monetizing it. I I completely agree with both of you. Like like I I don't think either either of you are sort of like looking at it in cynical terms at all. I I, I do agree that this is uh sadly like a critical mass of people could still watch it and that that'll be enough and that could the the door that that the premier league are opening a jar with this like little tester for pay-per-view um 
it could get bigger and bigger and bigger and suddenly like practically every major game is pay-per-view like however like like i do think that football as a whole should be slightly careful and not have the hubris to assume that people will follow them all the way because again i go back to this thing of like I know people are already already paying for stuff on BT and Sky, and and therefore they are already uh, customers, um, and have already bought into this sort of capitalist culture around football. However, um, a lot of games people can people will stop watching just because they they are not that arsed. Like 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 last night, uh, Leicester versus Villa. I would have I would have definitely have watched that if it was on if it was on normal sky or normal bt because i would have thought um leicester always entertaining to watch uh really exciting players villa are on the up they're obviously sort of near the top of the league again playing really excellent stuff i want to see how ross barkley's doing i want to want to watch uh um, jack Grealish play i want to see how matty cash is doing as a wing back but i didn't watch it yesterday because i thought i'm not fucking paying that much to watch Leicester versus Villa. I, I, I watched the uh, I watched the Sopranos instead. And again, um, that's the thing that that football shouldn't be um, that hubristic about because um, there are other things people can do, like outside of football. There's there's they can play on the PS4. Less and less or not. Less and le- right now there's an opportunity to 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 change the habit and to and to introduce a new habit of spent. This is the opportunity. That's what I'm saying is that there's a people have seen this as a, I think, I suspect there's people that can see opportunity now to to take this moment and potentially get people to change, to introduce a new spending habit like PPV. Especially with the worry now that, you know, things are increasing in terms of lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera. And more people are going to be spending more and more time indoors now than they were in the summer when Premier League came back. It is heartening to hear that there was a backlash. Like, that's what I wanted to know. Like, was there a backlash against fans um, to know that that movement, that social movement there that raised £16,000 for food banks in Newcastle, that's brilliant. Like, that's heartening to hear that that has happened. But if my fear is that might be, might be, a, you know, I wondered over the weekend if all the, the noise that was created on social media when it first announced would dissipate and then there would be just this um, tacit acknowledgement that people and fans would pay the money and that the kind of gamble that Sky and others have got, entered into here that actually the, the gamble was going to be a winning gamble look at we'll have to see in time and um, yeah we should probably move on very quickly um, because we're, we're nearly toward, towards the end here chaps and like we have carved out this moment this niche here at the end a fun a fun section Nas and Sai you know We'll, let's have some fun now, like in this part of the show. Um, is this the because... pay per view section of the show? <laughs> pay, pay per listen. Yeah, this is this section is going to be under a Patreon. Yeah, fifteen pounds for the next bit. <laughs> yeah, let's get rid of all those freeloaders. Bye bye, you're gone. Yeah, and it's just the paying fans now. Now it's just so it's left. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Gary Neville started listening. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Um, okay, so before we go, yeah, Villa. You mentioned Villa. So Ross Barkley scored last night. Uh, really good goal. Just watched the match of the day, and Jack Grealish tweeted afterwards the 
the song, the, the lyrics to the Ross Bartley song, which of course is, we've got a diamond called Ross Bartley, which is an Everton chant. Now, I don't, I suspect that this did not follow Ross Bartley to Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea fans ever sung it, but I think the Aston Villa fans, remotely anyway at least, um, potentially are singing this. And Jack Grealish is is actively pushing this, the Ross Bartley fan chant, um, which kind of brings us to sort of the rules and regulations and, and what's what's fit and proper about fan chants. If you can take a fan chant, like an Everton fan chant, and, and bring it across. I don't know, lads, if this is it's, if it's a fair and reasonable thing to do. I don't think it should do. Uh, I think that when a player moves clubs, I think that the songs that that uh, player had at his previous club should stay with the previous club. I remember the uh, the Will Grigg incident a few years ago where everyone was singing that song at the Euros. And I think, was he, was he a Wigan player at the time? He was. And there was a massive debate on Twitter and various other social media about uh, with, with Newcastle fans who'd laid claim to the original version of that song about Mitrovic when he was there. And yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. What do you think, Nos? Yeah, come up with your own. I mean, having said yeah. that, like all, all football fans steal of each other. I think there's a, there's a big thing about who came up with the original. But yeah, where possible, think of your own fucking ideas. The Will Grigg one is interesting because Wigan took it. Oh, sorry, Wigan. It was a Wigan chant that became the Northern Ireland chant. Then the Republic just took for Shane Long, um, because it just fitted Shane Long. Shane Long's on fire. Your defense is terrified. And then there was all that kind of like over and back with fans saying, no, we've had this first, this is ours. Now, that's probably one that has traveled more than most football chants. But if I was to say to you, um, in the spirit of this fun paid section that we're doing, think of the patrons now, all right? Nas, think of the patrons. They're little the Tories. They're little fit. They're little, they're little cherubic Tory faces. <laughs> I want you to dig deep into your creative recesses here. I want you to come up with some. What is what is what are the standout uh, fan chants? Well, I, I don't even think that the, oh, the I don't even think the Will Grigg sort of uh, um, song is even the best Northern Ireland chant. Um, there's a if you remember um, Warren Fina used to play for them up front. Um, he ha- he had he had a uh, chant that was. Um, we love our itsy bitsy teeny weeny baldy headed one fina, <laughs> <laughs> which, which that's I, fucking amazing. I I've great. never heard that. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's also who there's, said Northern Irish fans are humorless? That's fucking gold. <laughs> it's the baldy headed that got me, but um. <laughs> <laughs> um there's there's also i mean quite a lot of them are problematic so we don't even want to go there but like uh, i I know that united fans uh used to sing uh, your teeth are offside your teeth are offside lewis suarez your teeth are offside um (laughs) and again i I don't know if this is problematic or not but um i think liverpool fans used to sing he's fast he's red he talks like father ted robbie brown uh, robbie Keane, robbie Keane. so (laughs) (laughs) I think the best ones are always the topical ones, aren't they? I remember uh, when Rio was out for his drugs ban. I think West Ham fans were singing, his name is Rio when he watches from the stand. Um, <laughs> as a nod to the Duran Duran song, which I thought was pretty good. 
Is it, um, I'm, I'm going to send you now, Paddy. I'm going to send you Go um, a because I'm going to send it to you because you can do it just as I couldn't. But there's 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 one for Jimmy Traore that Liverpool fans had. I've just sent it to you there. Can you uh, <laughs> can you do that one? Okay, okay. You want me to sing this? <laughs> yes. Okay. It's for the patrons, so I think I think it's it's only right and proper that I bring a little bit extra. Yeah. <laughs> the pain, the pain customers, right? <clears throat> Don't blame it on the base scan. Don't blame it on the ham man. Don't blame it on the finnan. Blame it on Traore. <laughs> he just can't. He just can't. He just can't control his face. <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> oh fucking yeah. hell it's the Finan it's the Finan that gets yeah, no. me like yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they sung but I couldn't uh, I couldn't help myself um, okay look at I think just before go we go there's, there's also um, what was the Scotland there's a Scotland one that they sang against the Isla it was deep um, fry your pieces yeah we're going to deep fry your pieces <laughs> <laughs> another classic <laughs> Yeah, well, that is good. Um, all right, listen, lads, we've done our bit. The patrons have—I can—we've sent them home happy. Their ears full of our joyous, our joyous football and chants. And um, okay, so thank you very much to Nas Chowdhury, and thanks very much to Siloid. Thanks to yourselves as well for listening, and for being so generous with your patronage. Uh, the football spin. Um, all we ask is that if you haven't already done so, click subscribe. And it's all free, just like that. So um, tell your For buddies now. as well. For now. Ooh, ominous. Ominous from Siloid. Okay, we'll be back later on in the week. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shape.